0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What does motion sound like? With Kizikans Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like
2: this. Experience the magic of motion. Get
1: a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Roto-Grinders today, I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. if you want to follow me on Twitter. And it's Monday, September 18th, and we'll be recapping yesterday's, last night's NFL Week 2 DFS slate, and I'm joined here by the co-author with me on the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports 15-hour audio DFS masterclass, as well as the Advanced Player's Guide, which includes his custom Excel tools that I do use on a regular basis. It's James McCool. Mondays with McCool, as always. Hit that thumbs up button in the chat. I see you. Post your questions, anything you got. Uh, Submit your questions also via the mailbag. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. I know a ton of people watch this later. Listen on the podcast feed, and you don't show up here live. I like the Uh. I, I I I did pretty good. I had a good, good week week two. I mean, I, I'm typically my my best weeks in NFL are typically early in the season mm-hmm. because I know how fragile projections could be. How did you do?
2: I did well. I won sixty six percent of head to heads. Um, oh, you fun. oh you
1: played cash oh you played cash games. Yeah. I
2: play it. Yeah. I've been playing cash games this year to make sure that my GPP swings are not as drastic as they were last year. Uh, last year was pretty brutal.
1: So. Um, okay, we did, really... we Let's start, let's start with that. I know, I know most of the time we talk about GPPs, but skull, uh, just a random skull, random skull is here. Just some guy's skull is here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, asking about, about cash game stuff, mm-hmm. right? How do you pick your cash game plays or lineups or whatever? We could talk a little bit about cash games. Well, uh, so in cash games on DraftKings, I mean, I'll show you my lineup. I mean, I I did I did well. Allen, White, Kelly, Debo, Chase, Adams, Musgrave, Puka Nakua, Titans defense, 140.06. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming your cash lineup that looks similar.
2: Yeah, yeah, really similar. Um, I was Josh Allen, AJ Dillon, Rashad White, and uh Joshua Kelly with uh, Devontae Adams, Calvin Ridley, Nakua, Luke Musgrave and the Cardinals defense.
1: Okay, so the, uh, 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 it probably scored a little bit less, right? Like 127 or Yeah, something? 123, 123. 123. 23. Yeah. Which in head to heads you probably you probably still won. Yeah. Some head to heads. Very I, close, I won, yeah, so
2: I I only play head to heads when I play
1: cash games and I won okay. 66%, so yeah, profitable week. Profitable week. Uh I think the main the main difference between us in cash games well first off how do you explain how do you pick james how do you pick your cash game lineup i, I get as much
2: ownership as humanly possible in my lineup and that's pretty much it um, so
1: basically you pre- you'd say okay you project ownership mm-hmm. and you push a button and you're you're essentially using a lineup builder to solve for ownership you want the highest owned lineup and then let everyone else make as many mistakes as they want.
2: Yep. So the optimizer at Paydirt literally has a cash game option. It's like the default option is cash and it optimizes on ownership. It doesn't optimize on projection.
1: Assuming that ownership is, is accurate.
2: Yeah. And ownership, I use an ownership, ag- an ownership aggregate. So like it's about as accurate as as it's going to get like for the industry. So um, it works out really well. Uh, the, the concept on that, I've talked about that for about a year and a half now where um, the idea is exactly as Blender said. Like if you just fill up as much ownership as possible, if you can have every single player in your lineup over sixty percent owned, uh, you're pretty much just good to go. Like you're,
1: and that's this not is playing head to, head to be clear, playing head to heads where splitting cash line stuff in double ups is not is not even any of your concern at all because no. you just you know you're looking to just find play as many head to heads as you can gets a wide swath of people and basically let them make the mistakes.
2: Yep. So that's, that's pretty much just what it is. I, I run the cash game optimal over at paydirt. And uh, then I just look and I find usually it's between like two or three that are viable. And I usually will pick the highest projected one because I do care about my projections. Like the projections are still good. Um, But for the most part, I just want to get as much ownership as possible. Uh, This last week, I didn't even really think like this lineup that I ended up building was about the best that I could have built. I think the only one V one question that I might've had was on Luke Musgrave. Um, outside of that, I don't think that I would have picked anyone else really.
1: Well, my, for my process is similar, but not based on ownership is that I aggregate I aggregate projections. I use the blitz. I use the RG projections here, but I also incorporate outside projections as well. Aggregate them together. And then I run 20 lineups, right? There's something like that. And I look and I go, which which out of these 20, like truthfully, especially early on in the season, there's enough dead lineups and double ups that project way lower than they should. Yeah. That dude, you could play like the top 50, essentially, at that point. Uh and there'll all be little one v one, two v two type of differences, mm-hmm. but I tend, like the optimal that I had, from a mean projection standpoint, was not this lineup. It actually was instead of Rashad White and Debo Samuel, it was Josh Jacobs and Jaden Reed, and then the okay. Buccaneers and the Buccaneers defense. Yeah. Okay, I can see so, that. So I, lo- I looked at I looked at that my my typical. My, my typical macro viewpoint on cash games is that you pay down for volume at running back. You want you want the best target shares as possible mm-hmm. at wide receiver. Tight end, you either have the money to spend up for like Kelsey, assuming that he's healthy, right? Or you go as far down as you can. And the same thing for defense. I'm less likely to like use my allocation at defense, if anything. I'd much rather use my allocation at wide receiver with target share as possible. So I looked at, here's my 20 lineups I'm looking at. So I'm going, okay, okay Do I want to play Jacobs where we have five K level running backs to use? And then it comes down to, do I want to play a guy like David Montgomery or AJ Dillon, or do I want to play a wide receiver in that range? And right. in this modern day of NFL, I choose to play wide receivers over running backs unless unless I'm guaranteed a target share, right? I'm guaranteed. If, if AJ Dillon's going to catch six balls out of the backfield, that's a different story. David Montgomery ain't going to carry, ain't going to catch six balls out of the backfield. Rashad White could carry six, could catch six balls out of the backfield. So I didn't mind him. And uh, and then he just put, put everything together. The two questions on this slate, they, they go to the, to the same point, projection, fragility. And since mm-hmm. you make projections, well, let's talk about two main ones on this past slate. First one was Puka Nakua. Yeah. Okay. It, remember, projection fragility comes from the fact that we have very small sample sizes. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I'm i not uh, like Keenan Allen on the Chargers yesterday had no fragil- like little fragility on his projections right? We've seen Eckler be out, right? We've seen the Chargers. We've seen Herbert. We have, we have tons of games, right? Jamar Chase's target share, his projection fragility. He may be a higher variance. He has bigger, higher highs and lower lows, but the Bengals offense is the Bengals offense. Like we've, we've seen this offense operate all last season, same personnel. The Rams, I mean, we saw Puka Nakua in the first game, Basically play as Cooper Cup. Essentially, he is essentially running the same routes and the same participation as if Cooper Cup was in the lineup. And his body type fits that type of play call. So now in week two, you go, is this going to continue or is this a facade? Right? Is this, I mean, you have one, if if you're like, yes, week one sample is normalized. Puka Nakua would be like a 9K receiver. Yeah. Right. But we can't, you can't just go to that assumption, but James, my attitude with this type of fragility is that at 4,900, he is at worst, like a four for 45 type of guy, right? At worst, at worst, he's uh four catches, five catches, nine, nine to 10 yards a catch, eight to 10 yards a catch, maybe plus, you know, a 40% chance at a touchdown, you know, probably projects somewhere around 11, 11-ish, 11-12-ish. 11, at, wor- at worst, mm-hmm. at best, his mean, his mean projection is like 26, right? He, and his mean projection is essentially Cooper Cup's kind yeah. of projection. So at 4,900, like, what's the worst case scenario? He gives me 11, 12 points on average? That isn't bad for 4,900 as it is. You have Zay Jones in that range. You had, uh, had, uh, there are other, some other four or five K receivers, Zay Flowers in that range. Of course, he's fragile also. So my thoughts on Nakua was like, worst case scenario, he gives me 11 points, but best case scenario, I'm getting like a $9,000 receiver for 4K too cheap. So on Puka's case, like I made it a priority to play him at least in cash games and he actually come came in way under owned that I that I thought in GPPs. and I wish had I known that I would have played more of him
2: yeah I didn't play Puka in GPPs. um I did have him in cash but Puka uh was
1: only seven percent in the milli I think
2: yeah he was not he wasn't highly owned I played so I played the the wildcat and the 555 um 555 milli and he was not
1: He's 11 11%. I have it on results DB up here, 11%. Yeah, he was he was not as high owned as I thought that he was going to be.
2: Um that said, I didn't have him projected as a god or anything. As you were going through his range of outcomes in in your mind. Um I had him projected for about five receptions and about 56 yards. Um and then you have it, the
1: touchdown equity added to that as well.
2: Right, with touchdown equity, right. So, so why, uh, why you
1: figure has mean of what, like 13 or so.
2: Yeah, about yeah, twelve point five six was what I okay. had his, his projection at. Um, but again, like <laughs> you see, if if you so I'm not a big like watch the tape guy, but if you watch the game yesterday, that role is unfrickin' touchable. I, I I don't know. I was talking about it with uh with with Dwayne over at Fantasy Life. I don't know how Ben Squanerick did not catch thirteen balls a game. Last week in the same role because, like, they're always open. That role is constantly open. It's just they do such a good job at getting that specific role open that, um, I don't know how you project him for anything
1: less next week than I. I, I mean, mean if, if Puka gets priced up to like 6,800, he still could be, he's, he's still
2: a thousand dollars underpriced. Yeah, right. he's still a thousand dollars underpriced. I, I just, it's crazy that what that role is. So yeah, speaking to the idea of projection fragility and especially going into week two, one of the big things is not overreacting to week one stuff. Um, one of the other things is being able to pick up the signal out of the noise. Um, and there was signal leading into Puka Nakua going into week two, mostly because of the role that he was playing and how well he played that role going into things. Um, so I, I think that with Puka in, in cash, Puka was necessary in cash, mostly because I thought that he was going to be super highly owned. He ended up not actually super highly owned, which I was surprised by. Um, and I, I just I just thought that he was I, – I agreed with you. I When I was looking at the cash game optimals that I ran, puka was in most of them but i also understood after running not only that but also things out of like contest simulations and all, and all that kind of stuff all the newfangled tools and everything in the industry it's like either puka or tutu was showing up like almost everywhere because they were still underpriced both of them were underpriced for their roles in that offense um and so i kind of just made a choice between those two and puka was the one that projected to be higher owned in cash so that's how i ended up on him but to your point on projection fragility, I think that week two is one of the hardest week two kind of separates the boys from the men when it comes to valuing noise and signal. Um, And then week three, I think we have after the first two weeks um, week three is when you can kind of start leaning into things a little bit heavier.
1: The, uh, the other guy I wanted to talk about when it comes to projection fragility was one of the highest owned players on the slate. Yeah. Uh, we look here lower owned in the 555 than in the the, like the play action and stuff very popular in cash games a guy that you see was not in my cash game lineup calvin ridley yeah 7200 in my aggregate i straight up had keenan allen projected higher than him straight up at 7100 uh my my thinking with Like, oh, how did you not play Calvin Ridley at 7,200? Projection fragility. Same same concept as Puka Nakua. Calvin Ridley, we've only seen one game with the Jaguars. Right. That's it.
2: Yeah.
1: And Calvin Ridley is walking into a team that has Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, Travis Etienne. I'm not questioning his talent or anything, but, like, does he have a 30% target share? I... Could he? Yes, of course he could. Right. But Amon Ross St. Brown has a 30% target share. Right. Right. right? Uh, uh, Jamar Chase has a 30% target share. Devontae Adams with no uh, Jacoby Myers definitely has a 30% target share. Does Ridley? I know Ridley's a little bit, a little bit cheaper than some of than chase Adams digs like these guys that have, 30% target shares over long, long much longer sample sizes mm-hmm. 20 30 40 games. We have one here with Ridley. So it's 7200. It's not like Puka was set 4900. Worst case scenario, he's a $4900 wide receiver, right. right? Best case scenario is a 9k wide receiver. Like that that's a big jump. Ridley at worst case is a $6500 wide receiver. At best case is like an $8200 wide receiver.
2: Sure, yeah.
1: Right. Now, there's, there's, there's a gap there, right? But in cash games, when I have other options to play, like, why do I have to prioritize? If I was going to play a 7200 if I had $7,200 left, I was going to play Keenan Allen because he has a 30% target share in a non-Austin Eckler offense. So, I mean, like, like yeah, Ridley has a higher ceiling. Maybe his mean goes up because he has 40 point games that Keenan Allen may not have, but I thought like Ridley, I, I did not play Ridley in a single lineup of mine only because I thought he was going to be way higher on based on his fragility. And remember my, early on this season, I lean into the variance. I lean yeah. into the fragility, meaning that if the player's projection is fragile and they're high owned, I, pl- I don't look to play them. Player's yeah. projection is, is uh, fragile and they're low owned because people are afraid I'll play those guys. So like in cash games, I didn't want to play. I I said these Ridley constructions, I I would rather play Keenan Allen. I saw, and the one that I wanted to play James, this Mm -hmm. is the lineup that I, this is, this is the second lineup. The first lineup that I wanted to play would have crushed this lineup. Uh, Anthony, same lineup, but Anthony Richardson, at quarterback. Mm Mm-hmm. Instead of Debo, I played Keenan. Would play Keenan Allen, and instead of the Titans, I play the Buccaneers defense.
2: Oh yeah, hilarious. That's like a so basically
1: pay down for Anthony Richardson, but I run into the same same issue of Anthony Richardson fragile projection. I mean, is Anthony Richardson could could easily first year quarterback turn into a pumpkin, right? Automatically, like just I mean, be awful awful, right? I. Allen is fine, right? Uh, and the Buccaneers defense is defense. I don't care. I don't. Yeah, the Buccaneers scored a bunch of points, but I mean, I'm not going to spend an extra 800 or whatever at defense unless I have nowhere else to go with it. The Debo question on Skulls uh, Skulls Skull asking, "How do you feel so safe playing Debo?" Remember, lineups, not players. Okay, I'm not Debo projected fine. Of course, his range of outcomes is much wider. I'm not looking at the safety of individual plays, right? I'm looking at the safety, safety, four-ceiling combination of the lineup as a whole. And now, especially, I could have played, obviously moved Nakua into the wide receiver slot and played like David Montgomery at the same price at 5,600. Or gone down to the Raiders defense and played A.J. Dillon or whatever. Montgomery and Dillon don't have wide ranges of outcomes. I know I'm not playing Ridley. I know Ridley is going to be very expensive. It's going to be very high owned. Right? I know what I'm doing. That's why I purposely played a lot of triple ups. So I'm like, okay, if I'm not going to play Ridley, Debo and and Montgomery projected very close to each other. Here's two two things about Debo that D, D, uh, David Montgomery doesn't have. One, Debo has much higher ceilings, which means in the one o'clock games, if Ridley went for 37 points and I don't have him in cash, how do I catch up? I need players like Debo to hopefully get me there, right? Someone like that, that could actually put up that type of score. Secondly, Debo in the late games, Mm -hmm. which means I don't just have Nakua in the wide receiver spot and like a, a Montgomery and I have no utility. And I just have a fifth. Basically I have a $4,900 wide receiver that if I need to swap, where am I going? Like, what am right. I go to do to Atwell or something like that. I'd rather have two spots to swap from to make up ground than one. So that's really the difference, but this mean projected lineup compared to my Jacobs, uh, Jaden Reed, lineup that was the buccaneers which was like the the pure optimal was a difference in 0.7 fantasy points mean that's it the top 20 were with one one mean fantasy point right out of what 130 or whatever that's less than one percent difference so like even if you played the top 100 any of the top 100 lineups out of you know an aggregated you know projection set like dude any of them they're they're all they're all fine, they're all they're all okay. And especially if you're playing in head to heads against people that don't mind playing lineups that are eight points, ten points. I had one head to head where the guy's lineup was literally fifteen plus points below in my in, in projecting. Like at that point, it doesn't matter. Right. You're just trying to find the weakest contests.
2: Yeah, it's a good point on Ridley. Um, again, I only played yeah, what, what did
1: you do? How did
2: you project Ridley? I projected him, so I looked at the difference between him and Keenan Allen, since that was the example that you gave. Um, I had Keenan Allen projected for fifteen point six two, and Calvin Ridley for sixteen point two seven. So basically, the same.
1: Well, I mean, um, one point difference. No, I mean half a point difference. Half a point difference. Okay.
2: Yeah, I like basically nothing. Um, again, the only I I did not play Calvin Ridley in any of my three GPP lineups.
1: Um, okay, so let, 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 you want to talk. You want to talk about GPPs then? Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's get on. Okay, that. so at, in G, in GPP, uh, I mean, I played eight lineups. I played the hundred dollar spy, fifty dollar red zone, uh, five lineups into the thirty three dollar five max, and and the other in the secondary spy, the other hundred dollars spy. Yeah, I'm I'm I I was profitable. I mean, I I I out of my eight lineups, I think I cashed six of them. Nice, out of eight, but I mean, none for more than like. 2x or 2.5x, yeah, yeah, uh, because Jamar Chase killed me, right? Uh, I Jamar Chase is a one off in, in my best lineups. Uh, what, what games and what, what types of constructions? What we what we what what I mean, you played through what you played three three lineups typically, yeah, yeah. So, I, I what had did you, what did you play and why?
2: I had three, uh, I played, I played all three of them in four different contests. Uh, I was in the 125 fantasy football world championship qualifier and the 33 as well. So gonna go for those. Um, and then I played those three in the Wildcat, the 333, and the 555 million maker.
1: Okay, oh, so um, I can pull this up here. Yeah. Oh, you made money. I, I made money. Yeah. Okay, so let me bring bring it up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah you you had lineups with similar scores of, as mine, right? Yeah. So I, I, scored like my all my GBB lineups were like one forty to one sixty five, one seventy or something. Yeah. So oh, you played, you played a okay. This okay, you Justin Herbert. Okay, I played a, I played one Herbert stack. Yep. And uh, you played it with with no run back because I play I played mine with uh, uh, either Jig or Derrick Henry as a back.
2: The only runback that I had was in my Buffalo lineup. I did not do runbacks in my Chiefs or my Chargers builds.
1: Yeah, but this looked this line. I I literally, other than maybe Dalton Schultz at four K at tight end. Uh, I mean this looks like one of my GPP. I mean Mm -hmm. this like like if you just replace Dalton Schultz with like Chig, and then like move up the the Las Vegas defense to whatever the hell like that's that's practically one of my lines.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. So that that one is pretty garden variety. Um, I did do. I had Tony Pollard and Devonte Adams in all three of my lineups.
1: Oh, okay, Devonte Adams, I understand, right? But Tony Pollard, I think he was. I think I played a bunch of Tony Pollard uh-huh. because I thought he was under owned. Yeah, he he, t- he touched the ball thirty three times. Yeah,
2: look, I mean, the the Dallas defense at home as a big favorite against the Zach Wilson led offense. Like, I'm already interested in a running back at that point. Uh, and then you have Tony Pollard, who everybody drools over for six months uh,
1: and then is 9% owned in this spot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think just,
1: that's more of a byproduct of it, of his price in the context of the selection.
2: Sure. But I mean, 7,500, like, okay. So if people, so let's connect this a little bit to ADP, right? Like, if you're drafting in season long, if you're willing to take somebody in the first round, first rounders are $7,000 plus in DFS. Like that's that's where they sit. You know, Cooper Cup, 9K, uh, Chris McCaffrey, 9K. You have uh, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry consistently above $7,000, right? Like that's the price that you pay for first rounders. And if Tony Pollard was going to be a fringe first round pick in season long drafts, for him to be 7,500, that's just where he should be. Like he's appropriately priced based on market price. If if you're looking at it in terms of the way that the public perceives Tony Pollard. So we knew that the first week he came out and they said, Hey, we're going to limit him in this first week. We're going to limit his touches. And then the next week they said nothing about limiting his touches. So you assume a full workload at home as a massive favorite against a bad offense just seems like that that was just such a slam dunk play i the big thing was he was only nine percent owned though
1: if, right, he, yeah, if he was
2: it was twice as owned, I, I wouldn't i wouldn't have bothered no no absolutely not but the way that people were building where i i had no joshua kelly in gpp's because i thought that he was probably the worst play on the board when i ran uh the contest sim stuff he was about 20 negative leverage so okay, I'm I, think fine. I, I
1: think i had him in one gpp lineup i think
2: yeah i Maybe if I had five lineups, I'd have played him in one, but I just, I just had him in cash. I didn't really want him in GPPs. Um, I thought he was about the worst plan board. And so I liked Rashad White. Um, and I liked, like there were some other running backs that I kind of liked, but I didn't really like AJ Dillon that much. I really didn't like Joshua Kelly. Uh, so I just kind of ended up like, I'm just going to go with Tony Pollard. I'm going to have a unique construction. I know that I'm on popular stacks anyway, um, knowing that I was on a Buffalo stack and I was on a charger stack. So it's like I'm gonna find myself a little bit extra leverage here and just lock in Tony Pollard and hope that he is as good as people were drafting him to be in a in basically the best possible spot that you could have drafted him. So um that was that was a conscious decision based on ownership and kind of roster construction differences that I I thought made me a little bit more uh, unique. Well, Rashad
1: White came in entire own in these higher state contests. I mean compared to lower states, he was he had I believe one of the biggest differentials between high and low stakes. So if you were shot white you probably you probably were sharp. Right here's here's your josh allen lineup and uh very I mean, very obviously but was only a viable we, we got an NBA, we got an NBA type of uh situation yesterday when the reports were going around that acres was going to be inactive the late games that we finally got that confirmed like i don't know 10 minutes before lock before 1 p.m lock uh i don't necessarily think the rams offense is that great so like i wasn't like oh i got to take out and got to redo my catch game lineup so i could put kyron williams in and have kyron williams and puka Nakua in my lineup if anything, I would have taken out White. I would have still had Kelly in my lineup. And who knows what the hell I would have ended up, you know, doing in my cash game lineup. But in GPPs, like, I did swap out to Kyron Williams in some of them uh, just before. You know, like, if I had Kelly, like, I think I had, like, two or three. I think I had two lineups with Kelly, and I switched one out, just straight swap to Williams. And then I had one with Puka that I straight swapped out to Kyron Williams on those, and obviously, you know Puka did a little bit better. Yeah, but this Josh Josh Allen lineup is just Allen, just Allen and Kincaid. Just you yeah. know, you hope that Allen just runs the ball in twice. Uh,
2: well, I was mostly hoping that he wouldn't just feed Stephon Diggs. Um, I usually skinny stack Josh Allen when it comes to Josh Allen and, and Lamar Jackson and uh, Jalen Hurts. I will usually skinny stack them with just one receiver anyway. Um, the question is, do you play them with their most owned counterpart or do you play them with kind of a lower owned counterpart and hope that that counterpart ends up catching the touchdown instead of like them feeding somebody else? So with uh, like with um, Josh Allen, Josh Allen spreads the ball around quite a bit. And if he doesn't end up giving 13 targets to Stefan Diggs, then he still has the rushing ability and the rushing touchdown ability and spreading the ball out enough that I think that his ceiling was still high enough to pair him with just Kincaid um, and then just pay for other positions that I thought were a little bit better. Um, The only thing that I think that I could have done there is instead of going with Devontae Adams, I could have gone Stefan Diggs uh, and then instead of going with Mike Williams, gone with um, H- Hunter Renfro, uh, I could have done that. But like, I-, I thought that Josh Allen with Kincaid was an interesting way to go about that. And that lineup, so that lineup was initially really, really chalky outside of Kyron Williams. Um, that's, a, that's a really, really popular lineup. So I kind of figured that I needed a little bit more difference there than just eating Josh Allen with Stefan Diggs.
1: Then you got a Mahomes lineup with no jet ja- with no Jaguars, and I think if you played Mahomes, this is the way that you play him with just Kelsey. Yeah. Just good luck figuring out what four K five K guy catches. He throws yeah. it to seventeen different people. And it's very similar. Tank Dell, yes, little little cheapy tank. Cool. I think you know he he was he was on my radar. He didn't make my line. I mean, I played Nico Collins.
2: Yeah, yeah, he was on my radar too. Yeah. And obviously Jaden Reed was there too. Um the only reason why I didn't have a bring back there is cuz like I just couldn't afford one. <laughs> like, I couldn't afford a Jaguars
1: player that was like worth a damn in that lineup. Right, I'm going to bring up uh of course, you know, uh I had three more lineups, but I think we have the the 333 three-point stance. And you're going to see a difference between my lineups and your lineups? Yeah. I think it's going to be obvious. Uh not saying your lineups are bad, but I construct my lineups much you're
2: much more meticulous about it. Yeah. yeah. I
1: kind of just let
2: the, my, my tools and my data just be like, Hey, here we go. Yeah. Well, I mean, I build a ton
1: of line. Like I don't hand build these lineups. I build like 300 yep. versions of like every stack Yeah. of like every team and then go, okay, this does, these types don't make any sense or mm-hmm. get rid of the lowest projected ones, get rid of the highest owned ones. And then I have a mess of things to look at and go, okay. You know, I'm, I'm left here with five Anthony Richards in lineups. Right. I'm only going to play one of them. Which out of these five do I play? And I look and I go, this one makes the most sense. Done. And then once I take that, I'm like, well, if I'm playing this guy in that lineup, I'm probably not for diversification, right. may not play them as a one-off in another lineup. And then I get to my whole portfolio. So you can see here, I made money in this contest right, 45 bucks, but whatever. Uh, so my you're going to see a much the the correlations are going to be much, much more intact. Right. Uh, so here's my Josh Allen line, but Josh Allen, Gabe Davis, Dalton Kincaid, mm-hmm. Devontae Adams as the bring back. Right. Yep. Then I got Tony Pollard, Joe Mixon, Josh Reynolds, Puka Nakua, yep. Arizona defense. So it's just basically all, all one-offs at that point. Right. A six per, 6% and 4% running back. my, My thesis at running back this past week was the highest on running backs are not going to make it into the winning lineups. Right. Yeah. But that was my, but it's much more likely that one of the high price wide receivers. just, there there was like 14 different guys at running back that all had within like a point and a half projection of each other. So let the field play, you know, let the field play AJ Dillon, let the field play Josh Kelly, and I'll just find other, I'll find other places. Right. So you got this one. I also played a Brock Purdy lineup. Purdy, Samuel, Ayuk with Kyron Williams as the run back, right? Then I just, and then whatever's left, right? You got uh, Pollard. Well, this was a swap lineup because Kyron Williams is in it, right? This probably originally had Kelly or originally had, I swapped something here. Yeah. Right? And then here's my Jordan Love lineup.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Jordan Love, Jane Reed, Luke Musgrave, Drake London as the, as the run back, <laughs> right? Then he got... Keenan Allen, Joe Mixon, Christian McCaffrey, Devontae Adams. Yeah. Right? Just so Basically, I'm just jamming in projection and making sure not to play two running backs that are going to be, like, double-digit owned. Right. Most likely. Most likely. I don't know. I mean, this specific contest. Then here's my Anthony Richardson lineup. Richardson, Josh Downs, Kylan Granson. That's gross. With Nico Collins. Then I played Derrick Henry and Keenan Allen across from each other josh jacobs and stefan diggs across from each other
2: that's the that's the grossest lineup that i think i've seen and i don't at, at least it Cashed it, it it cashed right <laughs> yeah it cashed. Did, that, did that cash 143
1: yeah. i believe so what contest is that the 333 that didn't well, maybe cashed. no it didn't it just missed it just missed yeah right? i was gonna say my okay.
2: 142 didn't cash so that's yeah,
1: 150 you're right okay it didn't it was doing well until until you know yeah ring, yeah right Right, not bad try. And then here's my here, the Joe Burrow lineup that obviously everyone failed with.
2: No.
1: Right, Burrow Smith Chase. Right, with Zay Flowers as the run back. Then you play Amon Ra and Kenneth Walker across from each other. Right, and then you've also played cheap Jackson Smith and Jigba with Kenneth Walker because I wouldn't play I wouldn't play Metcalf or Lockett with Walker. Right, with right. A, too combined are too expensive. Right. I didn't play. I got a lot of lineups that spit up Jacobs and Adams. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play two expensive players together from the same team. I don't mind playing the cheaper one. So I, I tend to make much tighter, you could see here I make much tighter constructions of if I have a choice, like in this lineup at 50, you know, if, if Zay Flower like Puka, this could have been Puka Nakua, right? Puka Nakua's projection was higher than Zay Flowers, right? But it's close enough in projection that if I'm already playing a burrows back, why, why not play Zay flat? It's like one of those, like when coming to run backs and correlations, mm-hmm. to me, it's it's a 50-50. It's the tiebreaker. Like, are, are two players very similarly projected to one another? Yes. Well, play the one that's more correlated to your lineup.
2: So Michael Dompier, which I assume that's how that's pronounced. If it's not, it's Domper. Um, Dompier. Dampier, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, James, you might get this organically, but if not, can you talk about your decision not to play run backs in those lineups? So, uh, what Blender just said, where um, if if projections are close, then lean into the correlation. The reason for that is because we have to consider that correlation has an effect on the overall upside of the projection that we give a player. So, One of the things that I do in modeling is if if there's a stack, so specifically for baseball, um, when I run contest sims for baseball, uh, if a a lineup is stacked and has multiple hitters from a lineup, each subsequent hitter in the lineup adds an extra 0.2 points of projection onto that lineup or adds like an extra like uh, 2% overall of the total lineup's projection onto the lineup. So, as you increase the amount of players that are correlated to each other, the projection organically goes up because the correlation does have to matter. It doesn't mean that if you have one lineup projection for 150 and it's not correlated and you have one lineup projected for 135 and it is correlated, that the 135 is going to be better than the 150. It just means that the 135 is not as far behind the 150 as you would think based on the median
1: projection. The correlation matters, right? So let's, let's say in an example, just as a blunt example, that same thing, there are two lineups that are both project for 150 mean Mm -hmm. projection, but one has nine uncorrelated players in nine different games. And the other one has a stat, a wide quarterback with the wide receivers and a, got two guys or one guy on the other side of the game and then there's also like two guys from the same team in your lineup or on opposite sides of the game like the difference in if you want to call it like simulated mean projection like as far as your range of outcome the dist- the distributions are tied to one another so that's like the equivalent the first lineup is projected for 150 the second lineup is kind of projected for could be projected for like 155 right 157, depending on how wide their range of outcomes are. So like one lineup, what you said before, with the 135 may actually be worse because the correlation doesn't make up for that 15 points in projection, right? But how about leverage? We talk about this, we talk about this in the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, Mm -hmm. right? The three levers of DFS, This is how you have to think of DFS conceptually. Projection, correlation, and leverage. They're all levers. You can't get all three. If you could get all three of them, you're playing in the softest DFS contests ever. Right? In order to get all the highest projection, most correlation, and the most leverage. The lowest amount of ownership. So you have to deal with these levers. So in theory, you want to play the highest mean projected lineup. Right. In theory, the problem is the highest mean projected lineups are typically the highest owned lineups, which means in GPP, your your relative value is low. So how do you increase your relative value? Well, can I play the highest projected lineup that's also correlated to some extent? Add correlation. Well, as you add correlation, your mean projection starts coming down, but your range of outcomes start to get starts get a little bit wider. So as you add correlation, it has to be worth it. Are you getting wide enough? as you lower your projection. And then as you do that, what's the ownership of your lineup? Like, would you sacrifice 10 points in projection in NFL just for the sake of correlation at the same ownership? Probably not. But if you're also, if you're getting correlation, but you're you're getting a whole big discount on ownership, sacrificing 10 points, your lineups could actually, from a distributional standpoint, have a better chance at winning for two reasons. One, your distributions are more correlated to each other. And secondly, the points that you get more less of the lineups that you're competing against are getting also. So mm-hmm. it's the three of those things together. So that 135 lineup that you said, the 150 versus the 135, it's quite possible that in Gpps their expected value could be equal to each other right right It could be equal because the 135 line may get seven points of projection. On correlation, and if the players are under owned enough, you may get another eight points just on just on leverage on relative value. So like, like yeah, this this lineup is fifteen points behind in mean, but it wins first place more often than the first lineup. Even though the first lineup caches more often, that the ROI of both lineups end up coming out to some extent equivalent to each other. Right. Right. So it's those three levers that you have to, you have to wonder about. And just, that's why when people, people look at like, oh, well, this lineup's correlated. Do you have to stack the wide, the quarterback with wide receivers? No, you don't. Right. But if you had a choice between like, if you're sitting, you you have a choice between uh, uh, you're playing Jared Goff at quarterback and your choice between Amon Ross St. Brown and Jamar chase with a $7,900 wide receiver spot. Like, and you look and you go, well, both of those guys are projected within a half a point of each other. It's like, well, I'm, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Because Goff is in the lineup, you should think of as projecting like three points higher than his current projection, yeah. which would make his projection better to play in that lineup. And if Burrow was in the, the the spot, then you'd do the same thing for Chase, right? If you had Irv Smith in the lineup, Chase's projection starts going you know, up because he's correlated to Irv Smith, right? Everyone on the same team is correlated to each other to some degree, but there's also a certain level on 80th plus 90th percent of our outcomes where they start getting negatively correlated to each other, right? Because only one person can catch touchdowns. So this is, this is how you have to figure things out. And when you use lineup HQ, right? All it's doing is just solving, you know, the mean fantasy point thing. You, the whole point of using a lineup builder is you think through all of this, put the settings that you want in here to make the lineups that you want to make. And then what I do is I compare the lineups to each other. So what I said before, James, I'm going to build 300 Josh Allen lineups of all different configurations. I'm going to build 300 Anthony Richardson lineups of all different. I'm going to, should I stack him with one? Should I stack? Dude, I built Anthony Robinson uh, uh, Richardson plus three stacks with one run back, plus three with no run back. Anthony Richardson naked lineups. Like though now, obviously, guys like Joe Burrow, I'm probably not playing naked, right? The Russian quarterbacks, it's more mishmashy, but I'm just running all those and I'm going, okay, this lineup projects higher than that lineup, but that lineup has so much more correlation. And it's so much more lower ownership. And I'm like, yeah, comparing these two lineups, I'd rather play, I'd rather play this other lineup. And I'm just getting rid of all the lineups that it's like now this lineup that has, that has, it has a two point lower projection, but it has 40 points lower ownership and it's very highly correlated. It's like this, this, I think this is the best lineup out of the bunch. Let's see if any of these other ones beat it. And I'll look at another lineup, but maybe it's less correlated, but it's even more lower owned and it it doesn't give up much projection at all and i go ooh yeah it's less correlated but like it's only 0.2 less projected and i get another 20 points of ownership right both lineups could both liners are probably fine but if you're only playing like 8 of them you have to do the thing of which one do you want to play yeah type of thing yeah you're kind and of you're building around. more from scratch this way and i'm kind of going give me as much stuff as you can and then i'll just sort it out from there
2: well, these days, after like the implementation of like all the contest and stuff, and I built a lot of tools over the last like three months for maximizing kind of like decision making, I guess. Um, it's a, it's pretty, it's pretty mechanical at this point. So, like, I will look at for me, like, my process uh, is I will run the top three common, the top three lineup combinations of every single single lineup in terms of the quarterback plus their two main stack pieces, right? So I'll run specifically for Buffalo. I'll do Josh Allen plus Stefan Diggs plus Gabe Davis. I'll do Josh Allen plus Stefan Diggs plus Dalton Kincaid. And then I'll do Josh Allen plus Kincaid plus Davis. And then I'll do that for every single team. Um, And then I'll see who projects the highest out of those. And then I will move into looking at it from an ownership perspective. And then that's kind of how like, after I have ran that through, I have similar trimming stuff that we have in theory DFS, but I do it for stacks. Um, And I trim down stacks based on those common combinations. Uh, And then I will look at that and say, okay, well, I like X stack, Y stack, Z stack. And then maybe there's some other stragglers that I kind of want to pay attention to. Uh, And then I will run the contest sim stuff and I'll see what players look over, under, over owned or under owned based on how the field is playing. and then I will go into the optimizer, and then I'll take the stacks that I found, and then I'll take, I'll remove any players that I think were overowned, and I'll lock in any players that I think were underowned, and then I'll just run things and I'll see kind of what it gives me. Um, and then that's kind of how I'm ending up on lineups at this point. And that's one of the reasons why uh, I'm I did not force much correlation this week was mostly just like with the with the chief stack specifically, there was no way that I was going to be giving up a massive amount of median with uh two, two with two, two at well, or with um, who was the other person that I used there? Uh, it was tank Dell, right? Like I had tank Dell projected pretty well. I, I did not have anybody on the Jaguars projected well enough to make up that median difference based on the correlation that I gained from stacking him against Patrick Mahomes. So it's like when it comes to those one-offs and those bring backs, the bring up bring backs are specifically where I'm likely going to be using one-offs instead this year just because we have technology that i think can give me some good answers on that um but when it comes to stackings jared goff like you're using two players with jared goff you're using two players with Geno smith you're using two players with herbert just because that's the way that they find their ceiling and that's where the intuitive part of this comes in too, where you you kind of have to have an understanding of how How is my quarterback going to be the quarterback that wins me this GPP? Oh, okay. Jared Goff, the only way that he gets there is if he throws for 350 and three touchdowns. Okay, well, that probably means that two wide receivers ended up doing well. Like, he didn't throw to one wide receiver for 316 yards and three touchdowns. I
1: mean, there's a possibility. But sure, I mean, but it's much low. lower. lower. It's much lower,
2: right? right. So, like, I, I – I think that there is an important part of kind of understanding that part. If you are not building super, super mechanically, uh, I do think that it's important to kind of have an understanding of how guys end up getting there. And the game theory is still, the game theory is the biggest edge in DFS at this point by, I think a long shot. So having that understanding of how things come together and how you end up winning specifically, how do I win this contest? Uh, I, I think that that's just drastically important and and more important than it has been in years past.
1: Right, and the way that I, I could build 300 lineup sets and be able to sort through all that, you're like, like, people ask me, like, when do I build my lineups? It's like Sunday morning. Right. Right, and they go, like, how are you, how are you doing? Sunday morning, you're building like 3,000, 6,000 lineups. I said, how long do you think it, I mean, dude, you just run instances of, of lineup HQ and you could run 300 at a time, like... <laughs> It's not, it's not that hard. Right. So, and then once I have like 3000 lineups, I paste them in to our portfolio trimmer at theoryofdfs.com, mm-hmm. And I could, I could, I could trim lineups in 60 seconds. I mean, like, of course I'm true. Cho- Cause I'm, I'm choosing eight to play total. Right. So like, it's not, it's like, okay, I'm going to trim all. I'm trimming 90% of them away. And then I'm left with oh, oh I'm getting a lot more of this guy than I thought. I'm getting a lot less of that guy than I thought. Like oh okay Mixon may be underowned for his projection. I I'm probably gonna have Mixon in a bunch of lineups right. I could I could I could just see by what's left. I could see I put in I think on Sunday I think I put I put in three thousand lineups or about there maybe thirty three hundred. I don't know how many runs I did when I trimmed to get down to my candidate set of lineups that I'm picking eight from. I was down to. 87 i believe yeah right and then from 87 i go okay what am i choosing what am i choosing from here and it's like well i'm choosing eight lineups so it's like i'm not i don't think i'm am i gonna play four borough lineups i don't let me look through the borough lineups and then i get rid of the ones that even though they were trimmed like correlation wise like i look out of the and basically what the 87 lineups that are left would all be good if i would have randomly picked eight you have been fine. I would have been fine. Right. The ones on the top end, a little bit more low variance. The ones at on the bottom a little bit more high variance. So typically I don't like picking like all eight from the bottom or all eight from the top. But then I just look through and I go, okay, what makes what makes sense to me if I would have hand built or something? Okay, okay, this one this one has correlation in it. This one doesn't. And typically I tend to favor if I had to choose between 87 lineups, I'm gonna choose the correlated lineup a little bit with a little bit more correlation over the one that doesn't. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm not building, I'm not building it from scratch. Like that's the, like I'm not selecting a player and then putting this player in and then putting that player in. It's like, I'm looking, I'm, I want to see a lineup as a whole right? and go, huh? And then when I build in the beginning, if I see things that are like, I decided that I'm not going to choose a double tight end lineup. I don't care. Jake Ferguson or, musgrave or kincaid these three thirty three hundred dollar tight ends project well well from a mean standpoint like i just i'm not going to play them for ceiling so i just like i i don't build double tight end lineups, right only because i saw sometimes you don't have to do that because you don't have to worry it's not building those types of lineups but i saw that it would so i prevented it from doing so and then you go and you run another one you go oh it's doing too much of this and i don't want okay then don't build those lineups, Mm -hmm. right and you that's what the lineup builder does. And then you get to a point where it's like, okay, let me, let me, let me, let me see what's there and then weed it out. So, I mean, that is a blunt way of doing so. A lot of top players, they, they're just running, they're they're running their simulations and they're just, you, you ask them after lock, you go, who do you have? And they go, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just playing line. I'm I'm playing the, I'm playing the top 20 line. in this one 20 max contest, I'm playing the top 20 lineups with uh, X level of diversity in my 20 uh, lineup portfolio that shows the highest DV or with the lowest standard deviation for this contest. And they my, my favorite you go, thing. And you go to them and like, well, who did you play? You go, I have no idea.
2: My favorite thing is like during baseball season, that's like, <laughs> people will ask shit my money what he's playing on Twitter. And he's like, I don't know. I'll see after lock.
1: Right. <laughs> like he doesn't even know. I no, no, that, that that mean, baseball all the time, some guy hits a home run and I, and I go, should I be happy or not? Like yeah, I have if, no idea.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, I
1: don't know. I, I, oh, dude. Oh, I have him as a one-off in two lineups, or oh, I have him in. You know, obviously, I tend to, I would tend to know what I yeah. have a lot more of or less of. Like the high, the high-owned guys that I have less of, and the low-owned guys that I have more of, I'll know more. But the guys like the subsidiary, the defenses, do oh, I yeah. can care less about DSDs. So, so it's like whatever defenses. Whatever defenses are there, sure. Yeah. It doesn't Whatever. matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is matter. you follow James on Twitter, paydirt underscore DFS. Go to paydirtdfs.com for, for his stuff. Theory at DFS.com for our stuff. Get that portfolio trimmer. Get the portfolio correlation matrix. Get all the Excel tools that I, I actually use. Uh, on a regular basis, playing DFS, as well as, you know, this uh, 10 chapter audio course, get the first one first, obviously, to learn all the concepts, the levers, the levers of DFS, that's all, all that type of stuff is in here, theoryofdfs.com, hit that thummy thumb button, give me those thummy thumbs on your way out the door, we got two games, two games tonight, in, in football, we got I'm crunch time Grind, grinders live. We got pre-lock. I don't know what the hell the pre-lock show is tonight. It would, there's a show that the Browns game is the main showdown, but there's also a two game slate that it's also, I think paying a million to first. So there's tons of content here. Hit that notification bell. You'll know when we're live and, uh, and I'll, and I'll see you tomorrow. Send in your questions, questions at theory of DFS.com. Subscribe to the channel, do all that stuff. Cause I'm here. Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on Roto Grinders today.